Welcome to the Subject Composition and Light Photography Podcast. Show notes, links and contact details can be found at robnunphoto.com. That's www.robnunphoto.com. SCL is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network and loads of other great tech podcasts can be found over at www.techpodcast.com. Now on with the show. Hi and welcome to SEL, the Subject, Composition and Light Photography Podcast. It's the 17th of February 2013. My name's Rob from com, and this episode is coming to you live from Gosport to the south coast of the UK. Well hi everybody, sorry I haven't been in touch for so long. It must be almost a month since the last podcast but as you guess I've just been really busy at work all the time. Um, Loads of uh, stores that needed help and done lots of travelling around, driving to other places and, and, and running stores, doing all that sort of stuff. Um, but actually, as of today, um, I'm on holiday for a week. Um, it's uh, half term here in the UK, so which may be for the schools, that is. So I'm kind of off at the same time as Oliver to, to kind of... Uh, not really look after him because he's old enough to look after himself but just to kind of be here well Suzanne's at work as well because she's got a new job at a, a shop in Leon Solent so that's pretty pretty fabuloso um uh so yeah what's everybody else been up to hope you've all been busy shooting um I know I haven't been very active on Flickr recently either uh I haven't posted to any of our assignments but I've got some shots lined up because what I just really tried to do as well because I knew I was going away to places like Brighton and Southampton and Swindon over the last few weeks, I made a, a real effort to just leave like half an hour earlier than I normally would. Or, well, not even do that, but make sh- a lot of the time when I'm driving to places like Brighton or Swindon, um, I have to leave it really early anyway. You know, say it takes me um, an hour and three quarters to get to Brighton, I kind of allow normally for about two hours, 15 minutes to a, you know, just in case um, there's traffic or I have trouble getting out of Gosport um, or, you know, anything can happen because you need to be, you know, as you know, with a shop, you've got to be there to open up uh, and be there for the customers to get all the sales and stuff. So I've been making sure I've taken my camera with me. And sometimes when I get to these places as well, what I would do is I would just stay in the car and I would you know, browse the web on my phone, read a book, that sort of stuff. But I made an effort even though it's cold and wet and raining sometimes, of getting out of the car and wandering around with my camera and just taking photographs, you know, just getting back in the getting back in the zone, getting back into that feeling of whipping the camera out, changing lenses uh, and blasting away. And in fact, when I went to Brighton the other day, it was raining really hard, but I was like, no, I'm getting out of the car. I had my camera kind of tucked underneath my... Um, my coat and I was t- out taking pictures and it was really grey and I was getting these big long expo well not long exposures but you, you know when you take a photograph and you're hand holding it and you, you think oh I could hear the shutter opening and closing you know it's blurred photos even with an image stabilised lens but I made the effort and um, I, to be honest I don't really know what most of the photographs turned out like because I haven't uploaded them to my computer yet um, I've been been that busy but that'll be something I can do 
over the next week or so. So yes, yeah, so I had these little mini photo walks which were which were quite good in uh, Brighton and Swindon. So that so that was really cool. The weather's been really bad in the UK as well. So car boot sales have been thi- a bit thin on the ground, but it was quite nice this morning. So me and Suzanne went down to the one in Bridgemary and I actually bought a camera and I haven't bought a camera for ages. And this one's kind of come from the influence of the the film photography podcast again or at least on their Flickr group where they're kind of waffling on about um that's a bad word that waffle i mean waffle it in a wonderful way they're going on about um excuse me um aps film um and uh, kind of because aps film is a it's i guess you'd call it a dead format now nobody's making the film anymore um it came out in the 90s i think maybe the late 80s um and it was kind of one of those efforts by the film and camera companies to have a new format you know because the problem that you I guess they ran into with film was that you get to a point where everybody had a nice compact camera that could you know that was shooting say uh, 35 millimeter you know and it took nice acceptable photos um and so the idea with APS, I guess, was to introduce, and Kodak were really good at this, used to do it all the time, introduce a new film format, so you had to buy a new camera, but then this new film format would have some advantages over the old one. And with APS, um, it's a funny-sized canister. It's almost like a 35mm canister, but it has this strange shape. Um, and it's very easy to load. You just drop the canister in the back of the, the camera, and it goes and loads up. Um, and you can do different things with it. Um, you can have uh, three different types of cropping on each image. You can have like a, a normal, I think it's a 3 by 2 a slightly wider one. And you can have a panoramic, panoramic um, sh- uh, print. And you can select that on, on the cameras normally. Um, and you can do things like, it's easier to do mid-roll um, uh, rewinds and reload and stuff like that with certain cameras um, and when you get the film developed you get these different sized prints that come out of the, of the of the developing lab and you get these really nice big panoramic prints that are huge um, and also the negative instead of being sort of uh, all out like a 35mm in strips it, they, they roll it back into the canister so it stays, stays nice and safe um, and there are loads of these cameras about. You know, you go to a car boot cell and there'll be loads of APS cameras. In fact, you've got to be careful that you, <laughs> you don't buy them by mistake when you think it's a 35mm compact. And what you're looking for is a little triangle with a, like a, a moon cut out of it with a circle on it. And that means it's APS. So generally speaking, I would say if you're going to be getting into film photography and want to give it a go, avoid APS. Because although you... You know, might be able to get the film fairly. Might even have some film in a drawer, knocking around. The problem is getting it developed because you'd probably have to send it off to get it developed, and it's quite expensive. It's a lot easier to get a thirty-five mil developed. But you know, I've got lots of um, thirty-five mil cameras and one twenty cameras and even uh, one ten cameras. But uh, the only APS camera I ha- I've got is a little Kodak thing, um, which is okay. Um, but they've been talking about APS and you know and finishing off APS and, and shooting with APS. So I thought, and I saw this little Minolta Vectis, and what this is is actually a APS SLR. So it's an interchangeable lens um, uh, APS camera with all the features of an SLR, but in a smaller, compact shape. You know, it's got a proper. You know, when you look through the viewfinder, even though the viewfinder's off to one side, um, you look through the lens. It's got a nice little 
zoom lens on it, what is it? Let's have a look. It's uh, 30, 28 to 56, so you know, reasonably wide to a little bit telephoto. Um, and the lady only wanted £3 for it. Didn't have a battery in, but I checked the battery compartment and it doesn't look gummed up or anything like that. Takes um, CR2 batteries, which you know will cost more than the camera. It looks like it takes two of them actually, so that, that could be quite expensive. Um, but uh, this little, uh, it's, uh, it's sorry, I don't know if it did, they, did I forget to mention the name of the camera? It's a Minolta Vectis S1 SLR. Um, and it's got like this little sticker on it which has got raindrops so I guess it's water resistant um, and it seems very nice because I've still got I think I've got three or four rolls of APS film um, so I might burn through a roll and do a video review of it and put it on the on the website because you know it's quite fun to shoot with these formats but you know I, I would say if you're thinking about getting into film you know don't buy an APS camera get a 35 mil or or, or a 120 um, but if you have got one of these and you've got some spare film and you just want to give it a go obviously uh, give it a go um, so yeah so that's what I got this morning um, and what am I going to talk about this week well as you all know um, in 2011 I worked for Jessup's for a few months I left Machine Mark because I'd always fancy working in the camera shop and this vacancy popped up and I went to work for Jessup's as a manager. And for our, uh, our cousins outside of the UK, Jessup's is a, uh, or was, a national um, film photography store company that's been around since 1935. And when it, by the time it shut down a few months ago, it had, I think it was about 180 odd stores um, the Jessup's as it was at the end wasn't really anything to do with the original Jessup's because it got it in some troubles in the 90s and they kind of to keep it alive I think they had to kind of sell off the old Jessup's stuff and then create this this new entity if you like um, that, that was kind of half owned by the banks um, but I thought <sighs> a few weeks have passed and so you know and a lot of people lost their jobs and it wasn't very nice and basically Jessup's just closed down overnight um, and I thought, you know, I would share some of my thoughts about this. You know, maybe why they failed, um, and and I, I don't know. It's just something I, I just want to talk about. Um, so the thing about Jessup's was that they had some really, really nice stores that were almost modelled on the kind of Apple uh, store type of concept. We'd have these podiums with all the cameras um, on display on these, um, uh, like. Uh, alarms uh, set up so you could pick up a, a 550D, 650D, a, a, an SX220, you know, everything from compacts to SLRs and play with them and take pictures and generally get a real good feel of the camera. And that was great, you know, those stores, they had these things in stock um, and you could feel and you could play with them. The problem was was that not all the stores were like that. There was many, many Jessops, and you probably know who, you know, everything was behind glass. You used to have these glass cabinets with these cameras inside. So if anybody wanted to have a go with the camera to feel it and touch it, let's face it, in these days of Amazon and on-tone online retailing and companies like Argos in the UK, which is a catalogue shop where you just walk in and say, I want this, and they just get it and give it to you. You know, the reason why you would go into Jessup is to have a play with the camera. And obviously, because all the cameras were behind glass, a member of staff had to get the camera out and then stand with the customer while they were playing with it. Um, 
and th that was a real problem. I mean, the store I worked at in Hedge End had a live store, you know, where all the cameras were there, so you could play with them. But when I went to the Chichester store and like the Portsmouth store, there were these old-fashioned stores, with everything behind glass. And it was a real pain, a real difficult thing. You know, it, 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 you could sell people cameras and you could play with them. But, you know, if you're on a busy day and you had three members of staff and you had ten customers who want to play with cameras, you would get them out, you had to keep your eye on them, you know, and, and it wasn't very it wasn't very conducive to selling um, so I think they should have shut down a lot of those little stores that the ones that weren't making profit anyway and concentrated on rolling out you know those flagship type type stores with, with all these uh, live products to play with but that that wasn't that wouldn't have been enough because I know when I buy stuff one of the big the biggest reasons is price isn't it you you want the best deal and they used to have this crazy thing at Jessup's where the stores weren't allowed to match the the online prices for Jessup's itself you know and it even said it on the website you know say they had a special on on a on a Canon SLR for example i don't know a 600D going for 500 quid on the website and it was 550 pounds in the store and it would say these these offers will not be matched in store. So you know, so what? What's the customer going to do? They're going to buy it online, aren't they? Or they're going to buy it from from somewhere else where it's cheaper? It was absolutely crazy. Now there was a way ways around it. You would do click and collect in store. You know, we say, oh, you can get if people say, oh, is it? Can you do this any cheaper? Or I've seen it online cheaper. You say, yeah, no problem. And you would go on the computer and you would reserve it for them in store, and then they could pay the cheaper price. Absolutely crazy it was. You know, and you would talk to the management about this sort of thing, the upper management. It was like, well, that's the way it was. And I think that was because secretly, or maybe not secretly, they wanted to. They wanted the Amazon type model. You know, where you've got a warehouse that's got cheap rent because it's in the middle of nowhere. You've got cheap operatives. You know, not salespeople um, packaging these boxes, and customers are just going online, click to buy, and, and and going through that way. You know, and they would have reduced all their costs. And I, I reckon if they could have made the website profitable enough they would have probably just spun off the stores anyway um, so that so that that was this crazy thing you know where you had different prices between online and in store and i know lots of retailers do it but i just think it's absolutely crazy where's the trust you can have with your customers where they've got a suspicion when they come into the store that the stuff you're trying to sell them is going to be cheaper from the same company online absolutely absolutely madness and the other side of it as well was lack of stock when you were in the little stores, you wouldn't have the high-end cameras anyway. You know, it would kind of stop at something like, a, say, a 600D or a Nikon D7000. And you wouldn't have the 5D Mark IIs or the uh, 700s and, and, and things like that. Um, you would have to order in. So the customer, again, might as well have just ordered it online and get next-day delivery from Jessup's, maybe, or Amazon, who were probably a little bit cheaper. You know, because you go to a shop because you want something there and then you don't want to walk into a shop and them to go, actually, we can have it for you tomorrow or the next day, you know. And I understand that there was probably issues about um, prices and, and being able to afford to pay for all this stock in advance. But again, that would have been a case of just doing deals with suppliers to make sure the stock was in place. And if you don't sell it, you, you know, it goes back. Um, lack of range as well, you know. If you go into one of the rare photography shops that are left in the UK they tend to be independently owned or maybe something like um, uh, 
London Camera Exchange, and they have a lot more. You know, they, they're they're Aladdin caves. A lot of the independent ones. You go in, they've got a lovely second-hand section, probably. And they've got a good range of other stuff. They've got you know, uh, all loads and loads of of different accessories. They'll have things like film. <laughs> You know, I mean, we, we did have film at Jasper's, but it would tend to be hidden in a little drawer, you know, or, or on a shelf at the back. Um, you know, you'd had you'd do a few tripods and a few tripod heads, you know, maybe one light stand in the more expensive stores. You know, there was no imagination when it came to, you know, let's create the ultimate photographic shopping experience. Not only for, you know, your, your teenage girl who's going in for to buy you know, a, a 50 quid point and shoot who probably only wants, you know, an SD card, a bag and maybe some insurance to go with it in case they drop it. But also the photo enthusiast who's maybe starting off with SLR, but he's going to be thinking about flashes, light stands, um, lighting systems, all this sort of stuff. You know, they just, you, you had a bigger range at Argos often, which is a catalogue shop, than you did in your Jessup store. And that used to really annoy me, you know, especially when you had lots of exciting things happening in photography with, you know, the whole strobis movement with flashes and the lomography movement as well, with people getting into film again with like Dianas and you know, people using old Polaroid, Polaroid cameras, people starting to develop their film, you know, and I'm sure Jessup's could have made a lot more more of that and I think every store should have been a part of it at least should have been like an, an Aladdin's cave you know you go and you think oh god I wouldn't mind that light stand I wouldn't mind that 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 um that that umbrella or that, sh that soft box all that sort of stuff you know and then you could have competed on price because it's all about <laughs> getting those people through the door with the trust and then as long as you can employ or retain those experienced members of staff who know about photography who are friendly who can sell stuff not because they're like mobile not that there's, there's anything wrong with mobile phone salespeople, but they're not forcing stuff down people's necks they're just selling them what you'll need you know you will need an sd card when you buy a camera and it is a really good idea to have a bag with it isn't it and it is a good idea maybe to have some you know a bit of cleaning kit and maybe a spare battery you're going on holiday well you're going to need a spare battery aren't you Unmade, you know all that sort of stuff with slrs you know, it is a good idea to have maybe a second lens and some cleaning kit. And even for your lenses, I know people argue one way or the other about UV filters. But personally, I th I have a UV filter on all my lenses just in case, you know, I damage them, you know, drop them. Or really more for when I'm out and about and I get loads of crap on the front of the lens, go to clean it and I scratch it because I'm a bit cack-handed with my sleeve. So all that extra stuff that a salesperson can offer to a customer because it's a good idea that they have it that they could have they, they should have had um, but I just don't think that the, the guys in charge at Jessup's really understood that they didn't understand that the, the shop was the point of difference you know if you wanted online you had Amazon and Amazon are great at selling stuff really cheap but really not making any money out of it look at some of their figures you know, but the shop was the point of difference the shop and the fact that we developed film and we printed digital images you know, it should have been all about in, in my opinion the fact that you could come in there would be a great range of product at fantastic you know if not unbeatable prices prices that competed with Amazon and uh, all the you know on to online re retailers but you had all the extra stuff to make the profit you know you had all the printing 
um, and they should have shouted a lot more about getting, getting stuff printed because there's a lot of profit in printing. I know they did; they probably tried very hard at that, but but we should have you know, given away more prints. I think we should have got people addicted to printing again. We should have been shouting it out about it from the treetops about how the pro problem with digital is the fact that you lose your files. You know, you have to print them out. We should have got people coming in doing that. Posters, calendars, all that. We should have canvases. It sh they should have gone after it much but much more much bigger and much harder than they did um and the fact that you could get it done there and there um and i think you know at the end of the day that the people in charge didn't understand camera shots i don't think they really understood retail in a you know in a shop form I think they were very interested in profit and making Jessup a really profitable company, but they didn't understand that the point of difference was those shops and the people in those shops, um, and that by kind of not giving those people the resources they needed, uh, you know, and the offers they needed, they ultimately kind of hum hamstrung the uh, the, the company. It could have, uh, I think, it could have survived and and definitely been a lot stronger, even if it was by linking up with somebody else, you know by having like a Jessup's Corner in in an Asda or a Tesco that sort of stuff so people would come in and do stuff like that so there we go there's my little rant about Jessup's and that you know and I feel really sorry for everybody you know who worked for Jessup's who who uh, who lost their jobs because I know lots of people were very very loyal to the brand uh, you know loyal to the company um, and I really enjoyed working there um, it was one of my favourite jobs because of the product and the people who work there. Um, but ultimately, I mean, Percy's I just couldn't, get, I couldn't get on with the, the upper management there at all. Um, and uh, yeah, just really sorry that that a great brand has gone. I understand that one of the Dragons Dens has bought the Jessup's name and is going to be doing an online shop with Cold Jessup's. And I think Jessup's Printing is going to be on, on online too. But the days, for now at least, of a national retailer in the photographic arena you know concentrating on that is uh, is gone okay so well that's it really for this week um i'm going to be taking some photos this week and i will be uploading them to our Flickr assignments because i know we've got i can't even remember what they are what have we got we've got um is it high key or low key i can't remember one of them's that and i think one of them's symmetry so i'm going to get onto that um and I'll be uploading some pictures. But thanks everybody who has been taking part in the Flickr photo group and uploading photos and sharing them. Remember, if you're not already involved, it is free to join the Flickr group. It's free to join Flickr, um, and you can put your stuff in there. And we'll, I think we'll start some discussions off as well, you know, in the in the in the Flickr group because I'm very aware that Yahoo, who have got a new CEO, haven't they? That that lady from Google. Um, they're, they're spending more money on Flickr. So hopefully, we'll see more people coming to Flickr. But I think we've got to keep it going as well uh, and use it because it is a it is a great place, isn't it? Because we have we can share our photos there. We can have discussions there. You can join loads and loads of different groups. And uh, yeah, I personally personally really like it. So thanks everybody for taking part in the Flickr photo group. Thanks everybody for visiting RobinOnPhoto.com. Thanks for everybody for visiting iTunes and leaving reviews and stars on there. That really is brilliant because every time you leave a review on there or just put some stars on there, that, that helps get more viewers to the podcast. And ultimately, if we have more viewers to the podcast, I can then reach out to people in the industry and get you know gear to review and, and goodies and that, and that sort of thing. But... I do this because I enjoy, you know, the conversation with with everybody out there and uh, the inspiration I get off you guys and girls um, that helps me push my photography forward. 
Also, thanks to Everyday Jones, who do the intro and outro music. You can find their stuff for free download at everydayjones.com. But most of all, thanks to you for downloading and listening to the podcast. My name's Rob from robnunphoto.com. That's R-O-B-N-U-N-N-P-H-O-T-O.com. Remember, you can email me with ideas or questions at scalespeeder at gmail.com. That's S-C-A-L-E-S-P-E-E-D-E-R at gmail.com. That's it from me. Um, Thanks for listening, and hopefully pretty soon, I'll see you on Flickr.